you're gaining power over yourself. So gain that power and feel good. And then when you walk into a room, have power over your emotions and how you show up and be kind and be sweet, be forceful if you need to, right? So in all the ways that God expects us to act in life, it's so much easier to act that way when you're fit. But it's not about the fitness, it's about what it gives you. Hey everybody, it's Coach Charlie. Welcome or welcome back to the Building Better People podcast brought to you by BoomFit. Thanks for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following interview inspires you to take the next step in your fitness journey. Enjoy. Thank you, Charlie, for having me. I'm Cliff Latham, and I'm 52 years old. I don't know how it got to that, but it just, it happens, you know? And I mean, I met you when Dude, I was... Dude, you were younger than I am now. When is we that met. right? So I was 31 when I opened <sighs> that training studio on Harvey Road. What are you now? How old are you now? 38. 38. Okay. So I was 31. I probably met you when you were 33. No, I was... I, I mean, I was, no, 30, I was, I was 33. No, I was 20. So no, I met you probably when I was 19. Because before yeah, I ever yeah. worked for you, you were training. It's weird. I remember this guy named Aaron. Yeah, he was from A and M. He was a student, and this was back in like I would just come up to Nutritech to buy supplements. And Aaron, I just remember him vividly talking one day at, at the rec about how he was training with you. How it was awesome. And this is like before personal training was was something people. Well, at least I don't remember. And then I officially started working at Nutritech when I, whenever I was 20. So if you're 52, that was been 14 years. Uh, you've been 34. Okay. So all we right, probably met right. when you were like 32, 33. So everybody, everybody needs to know this story. So yeah. on Harvey Road, yeah. there's a nationwide insurance there, but it was where the subway is on Harvey Road. And I was a track and field coach at A&M. Went into that store to buy some protein powder. And a guy named Paul owned it. And I was talking to him about being kind of burnt out with coaching track and field. And so I went in in there. And he said, hey, if you want to train some people in the back, no rent, just free, just do it. And I said, okay, I'll just do that in the evenings or something. And it turned into, I mean, it just boomed because there was nothing like that in town. Well, and Paul started, founded Cellucor, Cellucor in the Nutribolt, back of that, which right. was called Woodbolt. And so I... I bought into 20% of that business, which if I hadn't bailed, bailed in that in the early days, I'd be, I'd be done right for, now. For, what do you charge you? Like 20 bucks? Yeah, I was like, that's about all it was. You know? <laughs> well, he needed to buy something that exactly. day. Exactly. So. <laughs> but um, no, I remember when Paul then sold me the store because he was busy with Cellucor. I remember telling him, like the day I bought it, I said, do you know that guy that comes in? Maybe he's Hispanic, has darker hair. He's in here like two, three days a week. He really is interested. I want to hire him. Because he really seems like he knows his stuff. And he goes, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But then you walked in a couple days later after I bought him. I'm like, hey, you, what's your name? You're like, Charlie Lima. And I said, do you want some hours here? And you're like, yeah. And that was the start of it right there. It was awesome yeah. because at that time, so my buddy Bear yeah. and I had just started working at Wings and More that's down yeah, the road. That. And I was making $6 an hour. What did I pay busing you? Bussing tables. 650? No, you paid me 8 So wow. I was... I was making six dollars, and like they would schedule because you know we worked hard, right? So we were at first working together, and we would end a shift. This is July, two thousand two. So this is, I mean, July, hot, sweating. Well, then they started scheduling us at separate shifts because they realized we were the hardest workers in the whole restaurant. So why put your two best guys? So we put, you know, and then it was like, man, it's no fun. And you caught me at the perfect time because I'm like, man. Yeah, you jumped on that. I, you were like yeah. eight bucks an hour. I'm like, to just sit behind a counter and talk about <laughs> talk supplements? supplements? Yeah. 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 And it was funny because you worked there. How long were you just at the front desk? A year so maybe? So I started training long? in April of 2003. Okay. So I, I would have been in the, you know, seven months, eight months before. And the, you asked me sooner 
but I was running for yell leader. Yeah, yeah. And that's when well, I... The, yeah. the, that so I was training Mary Mike Hatcher, which I yep. know a lot of people listening probably know who she is, WTAW Radio. She's a legend in this town. But I was training her, going on vacation, and I said, hey, can you train with Aaron or Kyle or somebody while... I'm on vacation. And she said, there's only one person I'll train with in here. And I'm like, who's that? And she goes, he's not even a trainer. I was like, who? And she goes, Charlie. I'm like, he's not a trainer. And she, and she said, I don't care. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, if you want to train with him, sure. So I'm like, Charlie, you're up. Train with Mary Mike. You know? And I got back and Mary Mike is like, you need to hire him. I'm like, Charlie, get certified. Like, she should get 3% royalty I know, fees for her life. Ever, right? But the yeah. funny thing was is that right at that time, I had a waiting list and Kathy Coppers was on the waiting list. Yes. I'm like, Charlie, I need you to, I can't train, like, you got it. And so I don't know whether wow. you were certified or not, but, but then I was no, like, I wasn't. I remember that conversation because you, I mean, and I, I'll still forever remember that, like that, that to me, this story is like ingrained yeah, in my memory, yeah. but I was, you just get handed me her and kind of let me go. And I think there's, there's probably something in that. Um, when you have, you know, giving people a chance, right? Because you never know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't always work out this way or doesn't. Well, you have had this innate, and I know your dad, and Mm -hmm. so I don't know whether you got it from him or your mom or whatever, but you had this, from the day I met you, this innate ability to, you said said something amazing to me one day. You said, it was a long time ago. You said, every day I get up, I try to make everyone's life that I pass a little bit better. Mm. And, And I believe that you really live that, you know? And you did that. With every client that came through, you made them feel special. And that's why people train with us. The, those people that train with you for years that never get results, right? I mean, they do it because they feel good. They do it because we feel so much better. And I, I get that. But they also do it because you love them. You give them that energy throughout the day. And, well, you know, and, that, and you're and so good at that. That's a core principle of the building better people mm-hmm. that it, it's not just about results the way we want them to be. Yeah. So like the physical benefit is, I mean, it may happen, it may not happen, but recognizing that there's an unmeasurable, well, it is measurable if you think about mood and joy and fulfillment and uh, self-confidence, that there's this other component to working out that happens that we can be, you know, conduits of as Mm -hmm, trainers, mm -hmm. right? That we can transmit that. It's not about the workout or, you know, how your range of motion. Yep. I mean, those are, those are important parts that we do. But the most important part is you give people life and you make them feel yep. good, whether it's mentally, spiritually, physically, and give them a break in their day and make, just make their lives better. Yeah. You know, and that, and you, man, I tell you, if there's anyone in town in this country that does as well as you do, Charlie. Well, thanks, true. man. Yeah. I mean, it's so cool to do this interview and you yeah. share that because, you know, that really was the beginning, you know, and yeah. then we, then you did nutrition sessions like, all the time Uh and that was just part of what you did and i don't know if you you know got that because you learned it somewhere if that was just something you started everybody with the life forms disc Mm -hmm. and nutrition Mm -hmm. consult and then i sat in on a few of those and then eventually and you would still take those so if i had a new client you would do their nutrition and then i would take them as clients and eventually you said all right i'm gonna you want to do nutrition and i was like yes i'll do nutrition you know but you waited right you didn't give it to me right away you taught me and then the nutrition session was powerful and I think, you know, you remember the body for life that I did. Unbelievable. Because it was a wake up call yeah. for me Yeah. to, you know, you pinch my fat. Like I'd ask you all the time yeah. to do a yeah. caliper test. And then, um, but the nutrition component was so important. It's everything. It is. It, it, it's hard to understand how important it is until you do it and really see the results like you and I did with body for life. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is unbelievable. So, so let's go into your yeah. fitness journey. Oh, God, so, Jimmy. you know, 52, 
Iron Man, right? Yeah. How many? Yeah. Four Iron Man triathlons. So I was a pro, a professional triathlete, and I'm saying that kind of hesitantly <laughs> because back in 1990, you could, if you finished this high enough in, and these were Olympic distance races, so shorter races. If you if you finished high enough enough times, they would give you your pro card. Doesn't mean you're going to make any money. I didn't make a dime, but claim it. I got <laughs> I got to start with like Dave Scott and Scott Molina and Mark Scott Tinley and just those good, the, the original OG triathletes back in the day, and that was cool. But then. You know, I got busy in life, and I kind of dropped the triathlon thing. It's a lot of work. And um, 2014, I just thought. So, how old were you in '90? You were 20. Uh, yeah, I was in college. Or I was yeah. a college student. 20 um, years old. Yeah, and um, training like crazy. So, was, what was, was back, your Ironman time? Well, so Olympic distance time, I think, it was like 154, which I is think, amazing. Which is I good, mean, your run, your 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 Olympic distance is 25 mile bike. Yep. 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 So. One mile swim, a little one, under. Yeah, yeah, yeah 1.2. It's half, right? It's yeah. half of the... F- well, no, it's, so it's a oh, like I, one I, and a half kilometers, so it's like 0.98 or yep. so. so it's a mile swim, 25-mile bike, and then a 10K or a six-mile run. But man, back in that day, I'd get off the bike, and then I was I would just drop it to six six minute per mile pace on the 10K. I'm nowhere close to that anymore. Wow. You know? But that was what we could do back in the day. But yeah, that was fun. And then 2014, I decided, I'm going to do an Ironman. I, and that first one was horrible. I mean, it wasn't. I so mean, that I, was four, 44 years old. Yeah, yeah. So, and I finished that one in 13 and a half hours. Cutoff time is 17. So it wasn't horrible, but I mean, finished, you know, but I was like, I want more. And so I, I got a coach, actually, one of the old pros that I used to race with, who is the, he's, he works for Iron Man. And so I hired him, and I was like, just tell me what to do. I just want you to tell me exactly what to do. I know what to do, but if you tell me what to do, I'll have the confidence it's the right thing, and I'll do it thinking, you're going to see my results. That means a lot to me if I can go out there. And so I did it and then did two more the next year. I did uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho again in Madison, Wisconsin, and then hit the time I wanted. So it was a little under 1130, um, which, which wasn't gonna, awesome. Which, it, was, it was really good. I was really happy with that. But um, to get to Kona to qualify for the world championships, guys in my age group were going like 10 and a half, which if those times don't mean anything to you, that, that's blazing at that speed. Yeah. But those guys are like dot-com millionaires who are training full-time, and they can do that because – you, you're training two to six hours every day, and, and and plus eating and sleeping extra and all the stuff you got. It's just a lot. What led you back in your 20s or early 20s in college to do an Ironman? I, so in 1983, when the first Ironman happened in, in Hawaii, so in 1978, three guys sitting in a bar, and it kind of sounds like a joke, but there was a swimmer, biker, and runner, and they were trying to figure out who was the fittest athlete. And so they said, let's put them all together and do it. That's the history of Ironman. It was on the island of Kona Island. So wow. they did it. The next year it grew, and all of a sudden, five years later, it became this kind of event that was in Sports Illustrated. And I was a sophomore in high school, and I couldn't put that article down. I read it 20 times, and I hung it on my wall, just this article. I don't know what it was. Fascinated the heck out of me. Like, that's so cool. So I was 16, 16, 15 years old and saw in Madison, Wisconsin, where I lived, and uh, – there was a triathlon coming to town and I lied about my age so that I didn't have to get my mom's permission. Cause then she might go, well, if you're a minor and I get, you know, sign, sign this thing, then I'm not going to do it. But I went and did it and I, I didn't do very good. I think I did breaststroke for half the swim out in the lake, but I was just addicted to this thing. And it's always been there. For was it addicted reason. to sport or I think just that long competition and endurance. But the thing is, is these Ironman were just built, you know, they were swimmers and runners. They weren't like these skinny little distance runners. Like I was when I was a runner, it was like, I don't know what it was. It's Do you just, play sports in high school? Yeah, yeah I grew, high? grew up in Wisconsin, so you play <clears> hockey, <throat> you know, and I downhill ski raced on a team. So we did the and then soccer and, and little league baseball and all those kind of things. So yeah, I was always but that that was that was my sport when I found it. So you you know, you 
I mean, the times I think are really good. So did you have like natural speed in your opinion, natural power? So I strength, you know, I definitely had that middle distance speed. That's what I did in college when I ran track for Kansas state. I was a miler and sometimes they stick me in the 5,000 meters on the track. What was your fast, fastest mile time? Well, 403. Dude. I know. But that's awesome. You know, but that got me fifth in that race. <clears throat> that's amazing. Yeah, but it's still fifth, right? I mean, there's guys, there, four. There like four of those guys were going sub four and if you're a college, if you're a Division One college athlete, and you don't go sub four. You're kind of not there. I mean, so. how many people on the planet can run a four yeah, minute mile? Right. So you're comparing yourself with the other college runners, <laughs> you know, and that's what you want. But yeah, that was good. And then, uh, well, I think the five k time with fourteen twenty five five k, right? Wow. Which is like, you know, you tell someone that, and they're like, "Yeah, I run a twenty one minute." I'm like, "Yeah, fourteen twenty. But when you're running in college D one, right, in scholarship, you're practicing every single day. You kind of get there. So I was a good runner. Um, I had that middle distance speed where I could go out and do a 5K, 10K, you know, and, those, and just hold that six-minute or, or 5.45 pace just all day. And Painful or no? Yeah. So um, cool story. I, I want to share this. So I was a freshman in college, and we went skiing over winter break, and I'm, I get down to the end of the run. Now, we all grew up in Wisconsin, so we're, we're skiers, like my brothers, and they're, they're freaking amazing. They're the guys that are jumping off the 30-foot cliffs and doing the crazy stuff. So we get down, down to the end of this run, and my heart rate's maxed. And I'm bent over and I'm breathing as hard as I can. And it hit me that I, I liked it. Hmm. I liked that feeling of being exhausted, right? Most people are like, oh, no, I don't want to do that because I feel it. I love that feeling. And I'm like, so he, here's what I realized happened was that somewhere in college training that hard, I turned that painful feeling into a pleasurable outcome. Because if I went through that pain and had that pain, I would find pleasure in winning a race or a 403 mile or whatever, right? So that's what Anthony Robbins talks about that, that pain pleasure principle that you, you have to associate the displeasure and the pain that you have to go through with pleasure on the other side. You can't get it at first because you don't see pleasure, but start looking for those little breakthroughs and those little things during your workout. When you did one more push up, you got to celebrate that thing. I don't care if that's your 10th push up in a row and that's all you could ever do, whatever, find that one little breakthrough that's that pleasure and that pain will start to become more pleasurable. So well, you it, were doing that not knowing No. It. So <clears throat> did it hurt? Yeah, but I loved it, right? You, yeah. yeah. And then so after college, you go into what what career, what workout plan? Yeah. What? So I got accepted to medical school after I was an undergrad. And um, they so I, they said, it was at Kansas University, and they said, yeah, you're going to get accepted on probation. My grades were good, but they weren't quite there. And we're going to accept you on probation, meaning you have to go take – a master's degree program, wherever you want to go for a year and get at least a, a 3.0. Pretty easy to do. I thought, well, if I'm going to go somewhere and waste a year of my life, I might as well do the second year and actually get a master's. So I went to Indiana University, retook the MCAT, took some other classes, and got accepted at the end of grad school to um, Kansas again. Oklahoma, my grandfather went there, so I figured I'd do that. Ohio State and Wisconsin. And I remember I got those applications and I, I sat, I remember sitting there just crying one night. I'm like, what the heck is wrong with me? I don't want to go to medical school. But I realized I was kind of just going for the, maybe the prestige mm. or something. Like there was a lot of doctors in my family. I felt like there was a pressure to do that. I didn't want to do it. I'm like, what else do I do? Well, I had a graduate assistantship coaching track at Indiana. And I'm like, I guess I'll coach. So I, I applied for some coaching jobs and I got a few assistant jobs at Marquette and Northern Illinois and some other universities. But I get a head coaching job out at a small Division three school on the East Coast, Salisbury State University. They call it Salisbury University now because I think it, there were so many jokes about Salisbury steak. But <laughs> and, okay, so get this: seventeen grand a year starting, and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, like I'm going to be broke being a head coach, right? <laughs> and you're like twenty 
four, five, yeah, four. 24, 25. Now, like, I'm, you know, I kind of want to start a life and a family, yeah. and I'm going to make it 17 grand a year. And I'm like, but that's what I want to do. And I called my dad and I said, Dad, I got this job offer. I don't think I'm going to go to med school. And he was like, cool, go coach. He's like, you, you can always go back to med school later if you want. Just yeah. go do this is what you want to do. This is what's pulling you. My dad had 17 grand. He goes, yeah, if you need some money, whatever. I mean, well, you know, it's fine. Just go do it. Well, I'll tell you a story. So, when I was in college, I went and sat at the feet of the greatest high school track coach that existed, maybe ever on this planet, Joe Newton from York High School in Elmhurst, Illinois, near Chicago. The guy is one, they win state every single year, but he grooms men. He only coaches the boys' cross country team. 150 guys come out to that, and only 20 guys go out for football. I mean, that is the sport at that wow. school. So I went and learned from him, and, um, and I'm trying to remember where I'm going with this now. Oh, so he, one night when I went up there to go learn from him, couple weeks after my internship it wasn't an official internship i just went to go learn um he invited me to his house to go to have dinner so he gave me directions before your google maps and stuff so i had a map and find it in chicago and pulling into this neighborhood that the homes were freaking beautiful these are million dollar homes now he's a high school track and pe teacher at a high school right i mean 35 grand a year or something and i I'm like this can't be the house and i knocked on his door and he opened it and he said okay before you ask me questions i'm gonna just go ahead and tell you the story he said, yeah, I'm a PE teacher, and yeah, I afforded this house, but not on that salary. I said, well, what do you, else do you do? And he said, because I loved what I did so much, I was a really good coach because I just lived and ate and breathed it. Because I, because I loved it so much and I became really good, I wrote a book, and it sold a ton. And I coach clinics, and I do consultations, and every coach wants to know what to do. That's where I make my money, only because I did what I loved to do. You'll find other ways to make money doing it. I'm like, and I remembered that lesson. Like, then it was like, go coach. You know, go so coach. man, how affirming was that? So, you, how long did you coach at Salisbury State? Four years, and I met my wife at the time, my ex-wife at the time, and and she was there. She was kind of done. She was in residence life, and that's a tough, tough gig. And um, it was cool. We lived, we lived in the dorms. We were both, you know, married adults and living in the dorm. They gave us like a double dorm put together, so it was cool. But no rent and free food at the dining hall, so it was <laughs> pretty cool. You know, the little bit of money we were making, we were able to put most of it away in savings. Um, she was done, and so then we looked for jobs, and she got a great job down here at A&M. And As the head coach, what was your workouts like during that time? My workouts, well, you, you know. that's So I was still training for the Olympic trials. I thought maybe, maybe I'd make it in the 10,000 meters, but I met Monica, and I forced gumped it one day. I was out running, long run, and I stopped, and I was done running. I literally just stopped, and I walked all the way home. I didn't want to run another step. I was just done. I think I was 29 and, and you I, were going fast. I mean, you yeah, were... You know, I, was, I was in the best shape of my life. I was going to make the Olympic trials. But I knew I'd make the Olympic trials. I was going to make it, no, no doubt. But I would not have gone out of the Olympics. I would never have made it to the Olympics. There was, I just wasn't that good. So that led you to stopping altogether? I stopped. In the middle of... I mean, I walked like six miles back home. And that uh, was done. And for the next year, I continued to eat like that. <laughs> I didn't say, you know... And you, and you stopped working out. You just... Right, I don't want to work out anymore. I was done. I was <laughs> done, done. I didn't do anything. So, but I ate, you know, and um, I enjoyed my time with Monica, but I put on, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 pounds or something and it was pretty bad. Wow. So it was like, I don't want to run again. What do I want to do next? So I found the body for life competition and uh, I did that and went all in. How did you find out about that? Yeah. So one of my pole vaulters came into my office and said, Hey coach, do we have some, we, he talked to this, he's like, do we have a budget for, for creatine? I'm like, you know, man, come on, we're, we, we got nothing. I, I can't even buy you guys shit, you know? I said, like, well, you know that crappy bus we travel to meets on? No, we don't have any money for creatine. Oh, what is creatine? I didn't even know. And he goes, oh, it's this stuff that makes you super swole. I'm like, okay, well, let me look it up. So I Google, now Google really wasn't a thing. I mean, the internet wasn't even, but 
Google, Googling creatine or whatever, however we search for stuff, Google didn't exist. I I searched for creatine and up popped EAS company and they said body for life put in your information here and we'll send you a a VHS tape on the first year the two hour you saw that body of work yeah remember we'll send that to you so I got it I didn't think anything of it get it in the mail and um, I watched that thing four or five times in a row like I'm like I'm doing this I'm doing this and they had you know um a modeling package on the cover of the magazine yeah. or Corvettes or leather, all this massive prizes. I'm like, I'm going to win this. $250,000 to the yeah. grand prize. So we had, yeah. So yeah, I did that. And I, I, I you probably told you this, but I think out of like 250,000 people that entered, I got fifth top three in each category. So in my age group, I got fifth. Wow. I, I called a guy there. And he told what me age were you? And that was the pictures that you used to show people, yeah, right? Yeah. What age at oh, that? I, I still show people. I'm yeah. so darn proud of I mean, 12 weeks. It's Yeah, yeah what what age was that? Um, 20, 30, 29, 30. Yeah. Okay. And then I came here and met you, and I'm like, Charlie, look at me. Yeah. And you're like, I want to do that. I'm like, yeah, it's really hard. And you're like, I'm going to do it. And you did. It was awesome. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, too. Like, the EAS gave you $250 of supplements yeah. just for signing up yeah you didn't have to win or anything and i mean i said su- i submitted all the stuff got my product e- eas was the first company in the world that ever brought sports supplements to the masses mm-hmm. before that it was all just the closet bodybuilders yeah. and they they found their places to buy it yeah we didn't we didn't know anything about that stuff and then that's when it really grew so so that was pretty big for you right to do that 12 week well that's when i decided i want to be a trainer and I was still coaching. And then so I started training some people on the side because I'm like, everybody needs to do this. Like, this is really hard work, but I know exactly what to tell people to do. Huh. And we were talking about this before. It's so rare that people do it because they don't realize the amount of, not time. It really isn't time, but everything you do has to be measured and calculated and perfection if you want that result. But and you tell me this. You, you tell me if you agree because I was talking to someone about this the other day. They're like, was it hard? I'm like, yeah, but not really. After the first couple, three weeks... It gets to be just your lifestyle. Well, I I think it's a lot like raising little kids. So we are in the trenches, right? Mm -hmm. Seven, Mm -hmm. four, two, Mm -hmm. and one. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's, there's, I mean, nobody, unless you're in this life, like the little kid life can understand when, unless you're in it in that moment, but then you get out of it, right? So like looking back now, when I did the 12 weeks, Man, I don't even remember. You know, it's like, was it hard? I don't know. I just did it. And it's yeah, the yeah. frame of mind, like with a child, with kids, you know, the sleepless nights, the diapers, the whining, yeah. the not sharing, the, you know, boo-boos, the all, the lack of, you know, you being able to have privacy. It's all worth it, right? It's like you're, you're but yeah. when it comes to your health, you don't nearly have that level of no, desire because no. you don't. You don't have something as powerful as a child as something that's keeping you on track. That's yeah. why most people don't do it because it's really hard to have that conviction unless you have a strong purpose. But for me, for 12 weeks, you know, I mean, it was just like, I'm in, you know, I'm in. Yeah. I was 20, I was 20 years old. I didn't drink for 90 days, which yeah. back then you knew me. I was, yeah, yeah. that yeah. was a, a regular thing. Yeah. And you know, I ate perfect. And I, and I was the kind of person who's like, just tell me what to do. I'll do it. Yeah. You know? and, and you're super coachable. But the crazy thing is, is once you get into that rhythm of going that much, it just planning your meals and prepping them and doing everything, it just gets easy. 
it's not a big deal. It's once a state you, of mind. But, but it's two to three weeks of trying to figure it out and dial it in. And then once you do, it's... it's well, and you probably... And it goes back to kind of what we were saying about, my, about like once you're convinced that it's the same for a client. Like the second you decide, that's kind of in my book, the first step is mentally commit. Like the second that you've convinced yourself, and we see it with six-week challenges all the time. It's like, you know, the people that are successful are the ones that just go all in, don't look well, back. Well, here's something interesting. You look at a vegetarian. We all know them, right? Lots and lots and lots of them. For whatever reason, they become a vegetarian. They weren't born like that. At some point, they made a decision, unless they were raised like that, but most weren't. They made a decision to become a vegetarian. For whatever reason, religious, they saw yep. something on TV, whatever. But at that point, when they made that decision to become it, when they go out to a steak restaurant with their friends, which they probably do, and then they order salad, they're, if you ask them, so are you tempted to eat the steak? They're like, no. Do you like steak? Oh, I love steak. So you weren't tempted? No. Because they made that commitment for whatever reason. And I think that's what's really hard for us to do with exercise. You know, when people come to you and it happens to me, they're like, yeah, I just want to, I want to get in shape and tone up a little bit. I'm like, nah, nah, yeah, okay, cool. You can get in shape a little bit and tone up, but unless you really mentally commit. So we try to draw that out of them, right? But find something like, so here's what, one of the reasons for doing Ironman was, you know, my son asked me after the first Ironman, he goes, dad, why'd you do that? And I was like, it was a horrible answer. I just said something like, well, cause it was there or whatever. And then a few hours later, I'm back. And I'm like, man, I gave you a horrible answer. And he said, yeah, it was, Dad. And I said, no, it's, it's, it was to push my limits to see what I'm made of, to see who I can become because it'll show me that if I can do that in that part of my life, I can do anything. I can do that level in any other part of my life. So there's some reasons that everybody has in them to become great in the gym or with their nutrition, with their physicalness because that automatically shows you you can be that much better in your spirituality and that much better as a husband and as a dad and as a businessman or whatever you mm -hmm. do. But I think becoming great in all aspects of your life starts with, should, not should, but is the easiest way to start it is through working out. Yeah. So show that to yourself through working out and nutrition and dial that in because then it will go to all parts of your life. So when you did the 12 weeks, was there transformation happening in other areas of your life? No, I'm, I'm trying to think. Not really. I think, well, I, I had, yeah, I'd got done running and I looked in the mirror and it was, it was horrible. But when you did the body for life and you, I mean, what was your numbers? you you lost X number of pounds, I lost 15 pounds and gained 15 pounds. So I was exact same weight, but body is, fat percentage was completely, yeah, different. completely different. I, and I, I don't remember what that was, yeah. but, um, that was what was crazy is that I was the exact same weight in both so pictures. So what, and what, what transformation happened other than yeah, the physical? Okay. Well, I, I remember for so long after that, and, and I don't know that I can think of an exact thing that how it applied, but I remember it was amazing to walk around feeling so confident. And so I know that that came out in all the areas of my life, just as a coach, you know, to be able to walk out there on the track and feel like a million bucks and just have that confidence instead of, you know, if you have a 67 year old coach who's overweight, I mean, maybe that's one thing. When you have a 30 year old coach that's 15 pounds overweight and hasn't worked out in a year, I mean, that's pretty pathetic from my um, confidence as yeah. far as being a leader. It's hard to lead like that. Did it when you stick don't feel good. afterwards? Yeah, it stuck for two to three years really well. And, and then so it, you just started training on the side? Yeah. Yeah. And this was back when you were head coach. Right. right and then right. you guys moved to College Station. Moved to College Station. Yeah. And we were going to be here for a year or two. And that was back in 1999. And um, yeah, here we still are. So I coached track at AM. But it, I, one of the reasons I left Salisbury, Monica was done too, but, and she got a great job here. And I came here and I thought, 
one of the reasons I thought I was getting burnt out at Salisbury was maybe I missed the big time schools and you know being on ESPN and and all that kind of stuff. But I came here to Texas A and M, and it's still just, just that passion was just wasn't quite there. So I knew I needed to do something else, and that's when I walked into Nutritech and started training. I'm like, I think this is what I want to do. Well, you were know? you working out when you first moved down here, like for those couple of years yep. before? Yeah, I, I definitely was. Yeah. What were you doing? So when I was coaching track, I'd go to Needham Steed, mm-hmm. you know, the weight room, and yep. work out in there. I'd, I worked out every day, and there were times that I'd kind of let it go and gain a few pounds. It wasn't quite like I was before, and then I'd, I'd get it back. And so I really stayed at that level for two to three years, probably. I was kind of coasting. Yeah, or would kind, you of, say? kind of coasting, but really just more maintaining. I yeah. mean, I was in great shape for a long time. And then I got back into triathlons again for a little bit, did like a year with that, and, and then always biked. So I've always been in shape until probably 10, 11, 12 years ago when business got, it was, I had five, six businesses, right? So from like 2000 to 2010, because me and you used to hit workouts. Remember we, we did. Oh my God. So we, our Friday, <laughs> Friday afternoon <laughs> yeah. was, was back day. Yes, right? that's right. That's and, right. And that was so. I think so. We worked out three, four days a week together yeah, at the dome, at least. But Friday, well, even before fr- that at Nutritech, yeah. You know, so Friday was your day. You, yeah, and that's like, right. And you'd write the workout. Holy, God, like an hour and a half of back. You know, <laughs> like, I couldn't move. But no, they were epic workouts, and we were. I mean, oh, I remember yeah. one time you're like, dude, you look like a little fullback. You know, a little yeah, football. Like just jet, so yeah. So and I kind of like pushed the body bodybuilding a little bit, and then I get tired of that and go. I don't want to be so big. I want to run again. So I'd, I'd go back and forth, but I was always fit. Yeah. You know? Probably about, yeah, 2010, 11, I just was so busy with business and lots of stuff in life happened. And I just, I didn't pick a day where I stopped. It just kind of slowly got there. And, um, well, I, heck, I'll tell the whole story. I don't, I don't care. So I, 2010, I was making a ton of money, like in all the businesses that I had you know, five, $600,000 take home a year. I mean, it was, you know, God blessed us for sure, but I didn't see it like that. I was scared every day. I'd wake up and sweat because I'm like, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to, I'm making more money ever in my life. And I'm like, I'm not okay. Like what the heck is wrong? And I look back now, I'm like, you're such an idiot, you know, mm-hmm. but it's where I was at the time. And people would say that divorces happen because of finances. I'm like, you would think when finances are tough, you like bond together and finances weren't tough, but there was a, there was a situation that happened with the gym. And, and so there were, there were some trying times, but yeah, like I turned into an idiot. I mean, I wasn't working out and because I was stressed all the time, I was never really much of a drinker. I mean, yeah, you go out with friends and you, you drink too much one night, but never on a regular basis. And I started, I started just having a drink and it turned into two and three and four. And then I went to the doctor and I'm like, God, I'm like anxiety and all this stuff. And so he gives you the regime that they would give you of an antidepressant. I didn't think I needed that, but and then anxiety and then some Ambien to go to sleep. Well, here I am taking a Xanax and an Ambien and four glasses of scotch. Like, sheesh. Mm. And, you know, the, the, the marriage ended. It, it, um, it was completely my fault. And I regret all that stuff that I did. But what happened, you know, you, you, that ends and you start like wondering, like, what is my identity? Who am I? I'm, I'm clearly not a good business guy because we got some stuff going sideways. I'm not a good father. I wasn't at the time. I mean, I was loving to them, certainly, but I just wasn't, I wasn't a great dad. I was not a great husband, and I wasn't an athlete at all anymore. I wasn't doing anything. And it was like, who am I? And somebody said, which is so important, he said, they said, why don't you ask Christ? Ask mm. Christ who you are. And I'm like, okay. So I prayed, and I heard it on a run one day. I was out running. I'm like, God, just tell me who I am. And it was like, stop me in my tracks right there. And he said, you are, or no, it was, it was, and there was words came in my head, but it was like, I am, I am just be like, you are, you are, I am who I am. Just be, Mm. you already are in me who you are. 
and it was like it just hit me and I just started sobbing I'm thankfully I was in the middle of nowhere on a run but I was just like yeah like I'm okay I, I am so stop trying to identify with these external things that you can't control right so then it was like then it was a journey of like okay I'm gonna be the greatest dad I can but I'm not gonna identify with that I'm gonna be a the best husband I wasn't at the time but then in a relationship I'm gonna be the best I can be I'm going to be a better business person. And then I started writing down, all, what does that look like and who do I want to become in all these areas? I'm like, I want to be an athlete again. Literally that day, I'm like, Ironman. So I signed up for an Ironman because I'm like, I want something huge to, to really go after. And, um, and then with the kids, I did, you know, and I think I have been a great dad through this. And, and so, yeah, that helped me tremendously get there. And so, yeah, I let it go for a while, but then, you know, Ironman shape. And then, and then I let it go again. And you and I met last summer. And what we went and had coffee somewhere yeah, yeah. at Starbucks, and I was like, Charlie, man, I just I need to come in there. And, you know, it's been a while. I'm not doing much. I'm just busy, busy, and life is good. Everything's good. But I'm just like, I'm like 15 pounds overweight. And I'm not feeling good. And and so um, you're like, just come in, just just come in, and start working out. We'll figure something out later, you know. And so I started coming back in, and oh my gosh, I couldn't do anything. Like I couldn't believe how much I'd lost and how fast I'd lost it. But I knew. Here was a story that's been cemented in my head. So I used to bike, bike ride every morning, every Saturday morning with the A&M racing team. These guys are awesome. They're really fast. And we go to Caldwell and back, and there were jumps and sprints. And this, these guys are, there's two Tour de France riders that come out of that pack. So there's some legit riders. Um, every so often, there'd be a new guy that would show up. And this one guy showed up. He's like 50-something years old. His name was Jim. I remember him. And it was a beat-up old bike, and he had just like some shorts on. And so I feel bad for him. This guy's going to get dropped so fast. So I ride up next to him, and I'm like, hey, Jim, look, here's how the ride works. Here's what's going on. And you'd probably get dropped. It's okay. Just turn around, <laughs> turn around go back. But, but if you get a flat, I just kind of told him how it all worked. And I said, but look, if you get dropped and head home, uh, if you need help, here's my cell phone number. And come back next Saturday. Like, keep coming. Just keep coming. So long story short, six months later, he still showed up every single Saturday, every single – and he stayed longer and longer and longer and longer. And finally, one day, six months later, he made it all the way to the final sprint into Caldwell. And I turned to this guy named Willie, who lives here in town, and he's an exercise physiologist. I'm like, well, he must have really increased his hemoglobin and mitochondrial density and capillarization probably increased by, what would you say, like 10, 12% of this time. <laughs> and, and Willie, who was like PhD in exercise physiology, said, nah, probably it's because he just kept showing up. Mm, <laughs> right? So like, true. It, it, that's all it was. He just kept showing up. And so that's what I remember with CrossFit is like, God, I can't keep up with Chris Hager and Lee yeah. and, and Garrett and those guys, but I want to. I mean, a couple of years ago, I could have been right there, but it's like, just show up. Just show up. Just show up. Man, and I, I feel like you, you've you seen CrossFit. I mean, you've been in the fitness business yeah, for so yeah. long, 20 years at least. I mean, in longer, but 2000, I think it was seven, Jared, yeah, at, yeah. He, he was dabbling in that, he right? Was, like, yeah, yeah. you know, and I didn't go till 2008. So I know you were doing, a, like, how have you seen these trends and how have you adopted them in your personal life? Yeah, so when we, we started boot camp, do you remember when you and I ran from fitness together out to Thomas Park? Oh, yeah, yeah, to yeah. To go and look yes, at where that's right. we could this do was like 05. We knew dude. nothing about how boot camps became. Well, you, I remember you were painting vision, man. You had just like yeah. watched the Carlos Santana yeah, like, yeah. or gone to his thing. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, dude, I just see people doing this and that and this and that. Dude, that was way you were pioneering the space well we jogged out there to the park and it was so dumb like what we were putting like we we're like the like it was kind of dumb like push-ups sit-ups running um but then when when we started that boot camp and we created you know came up so 
boot camp was super cool. It was a concept. We did like three exercises, run down the hill, back up, something like that, like cardio and strength all in the same thing. First time I'd ever done that. And we were getting people in, in as good or better shape than I'd ever seen. And then someone came to me and said, hey, check out sealfit.com. And I think that was out at the same time as CrossFit or before. I don't mm-hmm. It was all kind of coming out. And then Jim Jones, you know, remember he... Jim Jones is not the guy with the Kool-Aid. I know, and that, not that guy. Jim, G-Y-M Jones, he was the guy that trained the Warriors for the movie 300. Uh, he was out in L.A. Oh, and then the 300 workout yes, came out. Yes, yes. So that was him and his gym. It wasn't CrossFit, but he was doing some stuff very much like that. And I looked at that, I'm like, that's really cool. It's more back to gymnastics. And, you know, and then CrossFit popped up, and I'm like, this is cool. Like, I like this. I didn't see how to make a business out of it. So I didn't go into that space. And a lot of other people did, but I'm so glad everyone did because I love doing it. It yeah. just wasn't something I was going to go into. But yeah, I mean, it's Did awesome. it influence your workouts at the time? Yeah, or? You, so yeah, we used to do buys and, you know, back and buy yeah. day and chest and try. We never, we, we stopped doing all of that. Yeah. We started just training the body as Like a functional, yeah. kind of going with the, the yeah. shift of the industry. Ab- absolutely, yeah. So for you, you know, you you have your, your, your we'll call it your, your moment, right? In 2011, 12, mm-hmm. you signed up for, when did you sign up for that Ironman? 2014. Okay, 14. So you're like, and it's almost like you got a gravitational pull back to fitness, uh-huh. like in that period of time that you left, right? you know, and you, when you trained for that Ironman, you know, did you start feeling like, oh man, this is what I should have been doing all along? Oh, for did, sure. For it, sure. It, it, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I kept going back to like, I should have kept up with the pro thing. I could have done that and gone to Kona and. I don't know whether I would have been good enough to win the whole thing. I think I might have been. I mean, I, I was good, but, you know, whatever. I mean, it was it was fun to get back to it, and I knew I was never going to be at the top level unless I had the time to train, And, and but it was awesome to get back to it. And then you did how, you did that one, and then you did another? Or? Yeah, two. Uh, so two the next summer, nine weeks apart, which Fifth, was 2015. Yeah, but, but I had my coach, and, and I, was, I was all in, all in. And, and then the next year, I uh, did Whistler Canada. And I was 95% of the way in. It wasn't quite, but it was, and it was good. It was a good race, but I had an injury I was dealing with. And so the marathon was a little bit slower. And so you did four in three years? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then that was ending in like 16-ish? Right. That was 2016. Yeah. And then you go into kind of the next. There was no next. I was, But just, the next period of time that was leading to the gain of 15 pounds. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. So 2016 to, um, I came in here for a little bit during Iron Man I, I training in the off season just to get some stuff, but I was frustrated. I couldn't. All this stuff was new to me. A lot of these, you know, toes to bar. Elaborate but, on that because I think people fall into that. Yeah, that feeling of like that you can get frustrated, right? If you have high expectations of yourself, and so yeah, I mean, I was always used to whatever sport or or fitness activity I was in. I was at least one of the top few, and I wasn't when I came here. Um, and I, I just wanted to hide. You know, yeah. you're embarrassed, and. and then, you know, you have a trainer who doesn't know you and they're like, okay, yeah, blah, blah. And they kind of maybe don't respect you. Like you feel like you should, like, do you know who I am? You're not going to say that, but right. It's kind of like, ah, like I'm kind I'm kind of good at this stuff, you know, but not this, but oh, uh, I've been a personal trainer for 20 years. Yeah, you're not going to say that, you know, <laughs> do you know where Charlie, Lee, you know, no, I mean, you know, so, um, no, yeah, it was very hard. It was very humbling, but I, but I, but I was okay with being humble. Like just close my eyes and just do the work. But I only did it for a few months during the off season, and then I, I walked away from it, and then didn't come back until this summer. And um, it was the same thing again. Like it was extremely humbling, and I kind of probably hid in the back of the class a little bit and just kind of did my thing. But I'll tell you, and I'll tell this is so important: is like look for those little breakthroughs. Like, okay, so I'm 52. We were doing stepovers on the box, right? Step over burpee, step over type thing or something. 
So I'm stepping off the box, but I gotta like turn sideways like an old man because I don't know, I just, it was subconscious in my head. If I just step forward, it's gonna hurt something. I don't know. And I'm right next to Lee one day. Lee and Chris and Garrett, those guys, I just wanna stay with them. I just, yeah. they're so much younger, but I'm right next to Lee and he just steps off at forwards. I'm like, well, I'm gonna do that too. What's the worst that's gonna happen? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't think I'm going to break anything. So I just stepped off and I'm like, huh, I did it. So I think that's look for those little breakthroughs and just try something you can't. If you're trying to do push ups and you're like, oh, I can't go down that far. What would happen if you went down too far? Uh, you might land on the ground. Like, what do you do? Like, <laughs> try it, you know? So, yeah. and, and then all of a sudden you find that you can do it and then you look for those little breakthroughs and a hundred of them add up to all of a sudden being right there with everybody. Yeah. So just look for those breakthroughs. I think that's great, man. If you don't, you know, if you don't have moment, little wins, you're gonna quit because you're gonna mentally kill yourself. And nobody else is gonna care about those wins, and no one else may notice them. Mm-hmm. But you've got to notice them for yourself. So what has been? I'll call this like your second go at CrossFit. Yeah. But I, I mean, I've seen it. You've been more committed. You've been more dedicated. Even during the two month closure, you were on the Zoom day, with Kelly every, every day. day. Yeah, yeah. So what's been different this second go? Well, I think the first time I was doing Ironmans, that was my main focus. I don't have another thing right now, which is I'm good with. You know, I'd like to do another Ironman, but that's not today. So, right now it's CrossFit. I'm like, and really, I'm. I want to go more all in. Like, there's more. I read a lot of stuff, and but I know, you know, when when I'm training somebody, they're like, oh, I was reading this and that. I'm like, okay, why don't you let's start doing it. So, and, and I'm at that point now. It's like I want to start doing more, like pushing it. I think I lost some fitness even doing some of the zoom classes. It wasn't because of that. I think just my eating, we were sitting a lot. And so I lost a little bit. My, my aerobic capacity needs to be built back up, but that's cool. Like I'm ready to go. So expand on wanting to do more like, so yeah, I was, when I told you on the way up here, I was reading this article that said, you know, you can come to CrossFit four or five days a week and it'll get you to a certain level. You'll definitely get fit. Like it's great. But at some point when you kind of like, I want more, then you got to do, you got to work on your double unders outside of class. You got to work on your muscle ups or whatever you're struggling with. Kipping pull-ups for me is, is a challenge. You've got to work on that outside of class, right? So um, just taking the time to do that stretching, working on your flexibility, and your mobility outside of class. We, there's only so much you're going to do in class. And if you only do what's in class, you're really probably going to be too tight. So um, you see the like the top guys here, girls here, they're working outside of here too. So, so it's a level whether you want to do that or not, you know, but I've gotten to the point of like, I'm kind of ready to go to that next level. And you know, you being a, an athlete at the, I, I, I think it's the highest level A four minute, three second mile is, yeah. I mean, what was your 10 K time? 30, 31, a 30 yeah. minute 10 K. Like, so you know what it means to put more in, like you don't yeah, accomplish yeah. those things without, like you're not, let's be honest, you're not following the Hal Higdon, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. marathon plan yeah, in, yeah, in yeah, performance. Yeah. So you understand that. It, it, what is it about you now that has that itch? There's that pleasure that comes on the other side. So when I'm here and when I talk about Chris and Lee and Garrett, there's other people too. I mean, there's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of those. Yeah. I'm just bringing up their names. I want to be them, right? I want to be with them. I I don't have to win a, a, a workout. I don't have to win a competition, but I want to be right there with them because picture this, like when I first started here, was I really allowed to go talk to them? And I'm telling you, Garrett, Chris, and Lee, you can go talk to those guys. They're the nicest guys. And they're, I mean, they'll come up to you when you're last at a workout and they're like, come on, great job, right? But still, I, like, but all of a sudden you start finding breakthroughs and it's like, I'm kind of one of them now. And that's what, I just want to be that again at 52 years old. It's just 
it's, you just want to be your best yeah, and feel great. And, and then, you know, walk around town in, in your clothes and just feel like, Hey, I want my, there, there was during that time that I'd come off, you know, I took off my shirts. We were at the pool or something. And my daughter who had was there for all my Ironmans at the finish line. She's like, dad, do you even work out anymore? <laughs> I mean, that, that says a lot when they looked up to you, you know, and they were there at the finish line and they're just like adoring you like, oh my gosh, my dad's an Ironman. I mean, my son was at school and one of the teachers at his school had done a marathon. She gets up and does an assembly talking about what it means to run a marathon. Here's my medal. She goes, do you have any questions? And my son raised his hand and said, my dad did an Ironman. You know, like, that's nothing, you know, but they're proud, right? And yeah. so I think that goes a long way of... Yeah, I don't want to be that for my kids. I don't care if I'm 52 years old as a dad bod. Don't tell me that anybody likes a dad Well, and I think you know? the coolest part of this is like, I mean, you essentially have been a trainer and a coach for a large part of the last two decades. Yeah, yeah. And you're still having to find these ways to stay focused, motivated sure. on your own and fitness. I'm just like anybody else where I feel like I'm the little kid in the back of the classroom that who isn't any good. And it's kind of ignored, right? And, and there, there's, there's a funny thing too. And this is no fault of... because. I would do the same thing to people. When there's a group of people, if you're that last guy there and it's kind of struggling, coaches aren't going to pay quite as much attention to you. That's just human nature. But I don't, as a trainer, I get it and I don't expect it. And that's one of the reasons just get better, not just because they'll pay attention to you, but you just, you just elevate yourself and everything floats up better, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, life is just so much better when you be your best version Mm -hmm. and so I remember a mentor told me one time, he goes, you know, Cliff, you're good enough, smart enough, good looking enough, whatever, to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to run at 50% capacity and be great in your little town of College Station. I'm like, you're right. I, and I kind of know that. He's like, do you want to know what it'd be like to run at 100%? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, here's what you need to do. And it was all this stuff. And that was one of the reasons that I got into Ironman was, was like, I want to be the best version of myself, not just according to College Station or in my little microcosm, but me in the world and in, in, in how God sees me. You know, my using all the gifts that he gave me. He gave me these legs that had endurance and had strength. I'm, use them. You so know? what does that look like right now? You know, like uh, moving forward, you know, you're, it's kind of like, it's not January 1st, but I feel like this whole quarantine, yeah. reopening oh, gyms, yes. getting back. like Big time. Like I feel like we're in that same level of like commitment, goal setting. Like what is that? Yeah, so for, for me, it's it's... Working as hard as I can to RX every workout, which I don't know, unless there's some of the endurance, faster cardio mm-hmm. workouts, I can RX those. But if there's a heavier weight, I want to do that. Unless the coach says, look, you're going to hurt yourself. Doing that weight, go down to this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be dumb about it, right? Mm-hmm. But anyone that I possibly can, RX it. And, okay, here's something that happened one day. So I'm right behind Chris Hager. And there was a workout that we had to do three exercises. It was like 20 deadlifts with 135. So good weight, but it wasn't. No, it was, it was more like 185. So it was pretty heavy. And then there was like sit-ups and push-ups or pull-up, whatever it was. It was go time. It was like a 10-minute fast, right? And before we started, you were like, and I think you were coaching it. And you said 10, 9. I'm like, okay, what would happen if I just did whatever Chris did, match and move, remove? What would happen? And I stayed with him for five of the 10 rounds, and I was at my limit. And, I, and, and it got to a point that I couldn't do it anymore. It wasn't because I didn't want to do it because it hurt. I couldn't do it. And so... That's what I think people sometimes in a workout, unless it's going to injure you, be careful, but go for broke and see what happens, you know? And, and it's really kind of fun. So what's next? Um, yeah, you're, you're the BCS games. Yeah. And, um, 
do that and then see what else I can do in CrossFit. That doesn't mean I won't get back into triathlons, but right now this is what I'm going to do. So are you familiar with the Open? Yeah. Yeah. And the age the age qualifiers, right? They yeah. have, I mean, you can essentially compete versus 50 to 54-year-olds in a worldwide competition across five weeks, yeah. which to me, so that, you know, that's a target, right? That's going to be right, in right, October, right. October so or September. I think October. a lot of people sitting here hearing you say that be like, but that's like so many people in the world. But, you know, when I was in college, I was taking genetics class, and I, that's hard stuff. So I remember I took a test, and I, I think I got a D on the test. And it was, and, and this is when I was getting straight A's in school, and I turned that around. I got an A, but it was hard. And I came home, and I was really dejected, and my mom saw that in me, and, and I was home for the weekend, and she said, is something wrong? And I was like, ah, no, no. She said, well, something's wrong. And I said, yeah, well, I bombed a genetics test today. And she goes, oh. She goes, what'd you get? And I was like, a D, Mom. And she said, okay. I said, but the curve was really, like, a huge curve. Like, it was a really impossible test. She goes, did anyone else in the class get an A on it? I go, well, yeah, like three or four people. But, and I said this. I go, but they were Asian, right? Like, they're smarter. But I can tell you, <laughs> they have serious work ethic, right? Yeah. So she said, um, do you think they're smarter? And I'm like, I mean, I don't, no, no, I don't think so. She said, do you think maybe they just worked harder? I said, yeah. She said, okay. So it wasn't impossible. You could have gotten an A. Now go get an A. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If you're 50 to 54 and there's other guys out there doing it, why not you? That was always yeah. the thing. Is like, why not you? Why can't you be that? Right? So I feel like it's a great target, you know, yeah. for you. You have plenty of time. Yeah. And really, and really, I feel like this is kind of, you're still in your. Is this a challenge, Charlie? Yeah. <laughs> you're still in your, I mean, I feel like you're still getting started in this sport. Oh, for sure. You know, you Absolutely. haven't really there's like. There's so much to learn. There's so much, yeah. you know. I mean, you're, this summer will kind of be a full year. Mm-hmm. Um, and CrossFit is, is something that, you know, I, I share this a time or two on a podcast. But like it took me from 2008 to 2010 to get my first ring muscle up. Oh, really? Really? In so, 2013, I could do 30 ring muscle-ups in 30 minutes. I mean, that's like one a minute. I mean, it was a, and it's not a good time. You yeah, know, that's yeah, a really, yeah. there's a workout. It's 30 muscle-ups for a time. Um, I think the fastest time I could do that was probably a year ago. I got it down to like sub 10. So it's like, but that's, you know, 12 years of the sport. You know, rope climbs took forever. It, it's a... Uh, it's not this quick fix, right? It's like to master, I mean, double unders we used to use in 2008. It's kind of like you said, Google, we didn't Google back then. We didn't have speed ropes in 2008. Mm-hmm. You know, we would buy the Vallejo yep. from Academy yep. that was the not like kind of the neon colored. And that's how you learn jump ropes or double unders, yeah, yeah. you know, and you just, it was a completely, so I think that there's, Yes, handstand push-ups took forever, but I mean, those are all things that now people learn so much faster than they used to, but the sport still takes a ton of time it does. to mature. In. Yeah, you know, I started back really, really for the first time. I mean, that other time I was in yeah. there was just kind of to work out, but last July, and I kind of just came in here, and I was kind of going through the motions, and, and um, then probably October, I just, I don't know, got busy, and I wasn't coming to all that much, and then Christmas hit, of course. And it really wasn't until January that I really got after it mm. and got in great shape. And then the quarantine happened, and I kept it up. It was good. Um, but, yeah, so it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great going And then forward. Kelly started stuff. right. So, you know, I haven't even talked about that. I mean, the, 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 we talked about the past part of my life. You know, I got married again a year and a half ago, which, uh, you know, she's a partner, a wife, who just has taught me. The first person really taught me what true love is. And um, 
she has four kids and I have two. Now we have six. <laughs> um, it's cool. The, the youngest two on each side of, of ours are in school together. They're all the same age. And for the most part, they get along. You know, there's, there's some, but it's, uh, it's, it's great. And she runs Yoga Pod and she had before. And um, now she's coming to CrossFit with me. And it's, it's yeah, it's, it's so cool to have her as an inspiration. And I'll tell you, during the Zoom workouts, I couldn't beat her. If there's those kind of workouts that we did at home that were faster with less weight, I did, she was like 15 and 0. I was 0 for 15. Oh, I, didn't, I did not beat her one time, whatever the amount of and time. And had she did. ever done CrossFit before? No. So she was like a boot camper. She's run marathon. She's a runner. You know, so yeah. she's got a tremendous amount of endurance and she's strong too. But she's just fast. Oh, and competitive too. She won't let me yeah, beat her. Yeah. But she's a good runner and everything. So well, and know, I feel like when she started, with, I mean, it had to have been like two weeks before we closed, right? Yeah, right. Or a month? Right. No, yeah, Not it wasn't very long. Yep. And so now reopening this week, and you guys have been up here. Yeah. And so kind of have y'all kind of uh, just been saying like, hey, I mean, y'all were committed during the quarantine, right? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, she said to me, she said, do you want me not to come at the same time you are? Do you want that just to be your time? I'm like, no, come. Like, it can still be my time and our time and everyone else's time. So no, I mean, it's, it's great that we're, it's fun we're working out together. Um, I found that working out with her, I was tending to maybe not do that last push a little bit, um, even though we were competing. Um, so but being back in here with those guys in there, you know, it's, it's pushing me a little bit more. But it's fun to really be pushed and be right next to her. Yeah, so it's, cool. it's awesome. Yeah, it is. Um, I feel like we have to talk about nutrition because I yeah. feel like if yeah. we, you okay. taught me everything I know about nutrition, so I feel like so you you know you just well, summarized twenty years. So how give me, how has nutrition played into your? So journey? I didn't pay attention to nutrition in the slightest. My mom was a nurse, and so we ate very healthy growing up. And we were we were entered, my dad was from New York, and so a lot of culture. Um, he grew up in a neighborhood that had a lot of Jewish people and Italian people. And so we grew up having, you know, bagels with schmears on it in Wisconsin, right? They didn't really exist. And then all this, you know, gourmet food my dad would bring into our lives and fish, a lot of seafood because he was from New York and he wanted that. So, um, and they would take us out to great restaurants. So we were ex- you know, exposed to a lot of great, amazing restaurants and cooking and chefs. And my mom was a great cook. So we had all that, but, and she was very health conscious, didn't like preservatives and all that kind of stuff. So we grew up eating very healthy, but we're, we're, you know, had a lot of, so I was always interested in nutrition and cooking, um, the food history, food chemistry. I was always drawn to that, still am. And when I real so in college, there were some of the track athletes that were like, oh, I'm working on my nutrition. I'm like, I don't like, I don't need to worry about that. But we were training so hard, so much. I was 3% body fat. I didn't, I don't know that I probably yeah. could have helped at yeah. a higher level, but it, so, um, no, I was just, I was exposed to it and it wasn't really until body for life that, um, I did anything with it. And that was when it opened my eyes to like, wow, that makes a difference. Wow. So quick story. First Ironman, I was 10 pounds overweight. I would say overweight of where I needed to be for race weight. I did not change my eating at all. In fact, I just kept eating more because I was training in a year of two to six hour workouts a day. I did not lose that 10 pounds with all that training. You cannot out train what you eat. You, 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 I know you tell people mm-hmm. that, but you can't. The next year, the next Ironman, I said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that in this first month in January and get it done. And I lost it in three weeks and then carried on, right? So, yeah, nutrition plays a huge role. But I didn't, had no idea until I was 30, 29, 30, even though I was an athlete my whole life until that time. So where do you try to operate at on a lifestyle basis? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think a lot of trainers, and, and you included, are, are people that will say, you know, I don't eat like that. I don't eat fast food. Oh, I can just go destroy a fast food. <laughs> I, I will, and I can. And so I've got to be careful. I will go through periods where I'm kind of not watching it. 
And then it's like, you know, I'll get on the scale or just not feel good. You get off the couch and, and then it's like, all right, clean it up. And so then I'll just get back into my rhythm. And, and I'll usually often will go to intermittent fasting, which can be a challenge sometimes too much if you're training hard. So I'll do that sometimes, but I've got a number of different things. It kind of depends on what I feel like, but I'll, yeah. I'll just kind of go back to it for a period of time until I get my weight back to where I need it to be. And then I'm fine. Is it kind of almost like because you know so quickly how to do oh, it? I do. Yeah. That it's. I, I mean, I have like three or four different patterns I go to. Like I said, depending on my mood, and I'll just go to that, and boom, I just go to it. So. And how does it? I mean, do you pay attention to it when you're working out here? I mean, is it like, oh, I need to be eating a certain way to perform a certain way? So I, I'll know based on my recovery and my sleep and how I feel the next day, and then how my numbers are on the workout the next day. So I know that, and then I can go back and look and be like, so my eating was this, and I need to eat more during this meal in order to have those better workouts. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of times when my workouts are lacking, I'm not feeling really good, and I want to be up there, it's because of the nutrition. Because for me more, it's like I can go all day and not eat. Just I just I get busy working. I just don't eat. But then, of course, I'm getting the calories in sometime. Otherwise, I'd be super skinny, right? Yeah. So I'm getting them in sometime. But I will go all day, and that's not that's horrible because then I feel horrible during the work. So... Yeah, it's just getting to me getting in that pattern of just having that breakfast and that lunch three to four hours before the workout and having enough during those that I feel okay. And then, you know, I'll have shakes right there ready to yeah. go so I can just grab it and go at any time. So as, you know, a 52-year-old in a CrossFit gym, like what, what are your strategies and ways of not getting hurt? Because I know sometimes people worry about yeah. that. Yeah, so you probably feel this way too. And, and, and I don't want everyone to listen to me saying this. Yeah. I'm not going to worry about getting injured. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Um, I think way too many clients or people we train are so worried about getting injured. I get that, right? They have a life. They don't want to be a father or go to their workplace and not be able to do stuff. I get it. Um, Ken said something great in, during one of the workouts because my shoulder has, has always bothered me. It actually is fine after the coronavirus <laughs> time. It has some time to rest. So um, I said to Ken, I was like, yeah, this shoulder is hurt. And he said, yeah, mine always hurts. In other words, sometimes stuff just hurts, right? And just deal with it. But it's also the level of like athletes, we always kind of hurt. Am I worried about getting injured? No, I'm just going to go. And if, and if something starts to hurt, I'll back down a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think people are too tentative a lot of times and won't take a chance because they're worried about getting injured. You and I will take that chance. And if we start getting injured, we can back off a little bit. Right? And I'll tell you this, what I've learned is, I mean, and I don't want anybody to get it hurt, but right. sometimes it's a good thing because it teaches you yeah. your limits or it teaches you how to handle uh, that. Or Hard to tell a client that, right? Because, of course, of course. Because they're like, what, you want me to get injured? No. And it's like, no, no, no. No, but that's not, I, yeah. I also want you to take some risks so that you might get injured, right? And as a trainer, the injuries help you train people because they, they do. They help yeah, you identify, yeah. you know, when you're here, when I'm having conversations with somebody, those are symptoms that I've felt before right. and they don't go anywhere good. So you know? another thing that I've learned, and it's kind of hard to say this a lot of times to clients, but there's a difference between being stupid and being a wuss. So a lot of times with an injury or something, it's like, are you being stupid and training over something you really shouldn't? Or are you, are you using this to be a wuss? And a lot of times when I ask myself that question, I'm like, yeah, get to work. Let's <laughs> like, like, yeah, it hurts. Your low back hurts, but it's fine. It's just pulled a little bit. Get now, do you up. feel that pain over pleasure in the CrossFit gym like you used oh, to yeah. back in the... Well, yeah, when I'm, yeah, when I'm competing with everybody in the class. They don't know I'm competing with them, but I am, right? I want to stay with them. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, great question because that pleasure connection to that pain is not as strong as it was back then. Because I've let it go some. So you've got to build that bridge between that pain-pleasure connection, right? So why do we go to school for four years to earn a diploma? There's p- 
pain with that, but you want that diplomacy. You're willing to go through that. So same thing with this is like, what are you willing to go through to get this? And the more you do the work, the less the pain becomes because it just becomes part of what you do and you can tolerate it a lot better. So you ever watch the Olympics? You see someone finish the 10,000 meters, come across the finish line, walk up to the microphone and start talking. Yeah. Yeah, they're out of breath, but they're not like doubled over like, <gasps> like that. It's because they, they learned how to tolerate that, that pain. They're feeling the same thing we are, but it's okay to them. Yeah. Right? So it's learning to tolerate that pain that it's not a bad thing to be completely maxed out and out of breath. So what is a 50-plus-year-old cliff at a four-minute, three-second mile look like for CrossFitters? So here's the cool thing. I was so afraid when I was younger at that level, and then even when I was still in my 30s, I was still competing at the top level, that I would hate working out or competing or doing anything at this age because I wouldn't be at that level. It's not in the slightest. Like if I go run a 5K right now and I can – I mean we did one here at CrossFit and I did a 24. That's not where I should be at all. But I should be able to go out and run – I would say if I, if I could get back down to a 6.45 pace or 6.30, probably for a 5K at my age, I'd be, I'd be good. Sub 20? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not disappointed that I didn't get 20. But if I was only at 20 and not a 14.25, I'd be thrilled as much or maybe more than that 14.25. Yeah. So no, that pleasure, that excitement of, of hitting a goal or finding breakthroughs – doesn't go away with age. Yeah. Ever. Well, man, this is awesome. Okay, last question I ask everybody. Okay. It, it, I'm, is everyone bored yet? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny. I, you, you, don't real, you don't realize until you do these. You're like, man, I've got a lot of stuff, stuff to talk about. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, titled podcast, Building Better People. Yeah. And mentioned it earlier. Um, I've mentioned to you before. The, the, that's the mission, right? If yeah, I call it a yeah. vision, if I call it a purpose, it's just, it's really what wakes me up every day, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just knowing that life change is happening, not just physical progress. Um, the physical progress is great, and we, you know, we want people to lose weight. We want people to get, you know, mm -hmm. kipping pull ups and all those things. But along that fitness journey, there's some other things happening that, in my belief, are, are helping that person become a better version of themselves. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. You know, your, your times and your score and all those things are, that's how you keep score. And that's how you keep track of your progress. And that's cool and that's awesome. But, you know, when you can take this confidence and that power that you have, because I talk about, so in my early life, I always thought from, I mean, up until 10 years ago, really until my marriage ended, I thought power was over other people. That's how you controlled and you led was to be like, listen to me. This is what I'm telling you to do, right? So, because it's kind of how my parents did it. They weren't wrong in doing that. I think a lot of times there's a place for that. But then when I learned that power is what you have over yourself and so how you can show up in that room. We all know some those people in our lives, one or two or three people, a pastor, like Pastor Will's mm -hmm. like that, right? I mean, Brian. Yeah. Brian's like that. Like he walks into CrossFit and there's an attraction to him. What is it? There's like a glow about him. He has a power over himself and a control over his emotions. It doesn't mean he's perfect. No one is, mm -hmm. but he has a power. And I think the best way to, to get that power over yourself, over your emotions, and how you walk into the room and how you show up to your children, to your family, to God, to your workout, to your employees, to your workplace, is to first conquer it in a workout, right? To develop that power. and then, But I don't think you get that unless you recognize it. So that power that's bubbling up, even if you got one more push-up, you're gaining power. You're gaining power over yourself, so gain that power and feel good. And then when you walk into a room, have power over your emotions and how you show up and be kind and be sweet, be forceful if you need to, 
right? So in all the ways that God expects us to act in life, it's so much easier to act that way when you're fit. But it's not about the fitness, it's about what it gives you. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Bryan College Station, we would love for you to come to our gym and start with one of our programs. If you're interested in more information about our services or a free trial, visit us at boomfitbcs.com. That's boomfitbcs.com.